Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, compatriots. My name is Joe Armstrong, and thank you very much for listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Jonzo West. Musician Jonzo West once spent a summer on a movie shoot in Detroit, Michigan, after being hired to teach an actor how to play guitar, or at least how to fake it convincingly enough on screen. Like music, making movies is a hurry-up-and-wait affair with a goodly amount of downtime, and West found himself palling around with the young actress and musician Miley Cyrus, who was trying her hand on the big screen after the phenomenal success of Hannah Montana on the Disney Channel. Between takes, the pair would sing classic country songs, and West was immediately impressed with Cyrus's natural country singing talent, which was different from the pop persona that had made her a megastar. Those downtime collaborations led to West accompanying Cyrus on a cover of Bob Dylan's classic song, You're Gonna Make Me Lonesome When You Go, that was featured on the album Chimes of Freedom, songs of Bob Dylan honoring 50 years of Amnesty International. The single and the round of television appearances that followed raised West's profile, but he had been making music long before he paired up with his famous friend. Since his move west to California from his native Indiana, West has released a pair of albums along with a brand new EP called The Cause and the Cure in February of 2015. Whether stripped down and acoustic or fully fleshed out, West's music is reminiscent of the sepia-toned glory days of California's Laurel Canyon sound. Welcome to Independence Day, Jonzo West. Hey. You. How's, How's it going? doing? How are you doing? I'm excellent. Yeah? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a beautiful day. Sure is. It's great to have you. It's great to meet you. Uh, you are a Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter. Uh, come from Indiana, originally, um, but you've come to LA. How long ago did you come to LA? Uh, let's see. I got out here 2007. Okay. So you've been out here a pretty good while then. Yeah. Been out here, Matt. Now, was it uh, your decision to come out here, I'm assuming it was music-based, or was it weather-based, or a combination of the two? Did you ever cons- <laughs> Did you ever consider Nashville? Did you consider New York? You know, there's like, there's the main places people go. Was it just always LA a logical choice for you? Yeah, there is, isn't there? It's the top three, I think, everybody. If you're from the middle of America, you pick one of those. And um, I was uh, going to school at uh, Indiana University in Indiana. Bloomington? A, yep, B-Town. Um, and uh, I had a band there called The Swell. And, you know, we cut our teeth at the Bluebird there. And uh, that was, from there, we, you know, we had to go somewhere. Everybody we, everybody we knew was going to Chicago, actually. Yeah. And I thought, we got to get, we got to get out of here. Bigger we gotta, pond. Yeah, Nashville was still a little, little too close and a little too yeah. similar. I wasn't going to deal with winter. You know, I wasn't going to head to New York. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was the West Coast for yeah, sure. It's funny because you're right. Like, everybody kind of makes those choices. I mean, some people stay in their hometowns, like it's, but that's rare. Mm-hmm. Like the John Mellencamp, the Indiana right, Connection. Like, right. he stayed in Seymour. He and sure somehow did. Somehow managed to pull off like what would be considered a top tier international career. Yeah. You know, or guys or girls, you know, and I tried both. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, started in Chicago, did uh, my hometown, did New York for a while, but it's yeah. just a different version of the same cold. Right, I know business. it's that gray, that long gray. In Nashville, cold. like you said, is it's it's different from the Midwest, but it's similar enough. Yeah, you know, especially if you're from like Southern Indiana, and I have relatives in Northern Alabama, so I knew what that was, and I was yep. like, I didn't want to. All due respect to Nashville, it's a great town, but Absolutely. for now, it wasn't the place. Absolutely, but LA was like like the Eagles and palm trees, oh, yeah. and I knew for a long time I wanted to end up in California. I had family in Northern California growing up that I'd visit in the summers, you know, and 
once you know got a little taste of the palm trees and the mountains and the ocean it was yeah and i had a brother out here too so i was able okay. to, to move you had like a there. safe you had a safe place yeah, to land it was perfect so and uh the other thing is you know california has got such a rich musical tradition there's so much music has been made here that's so influential besides just like the beach boys and the eagles and the harder core stuff uh, you know, uh, Guns and Roses and whatnot. Um, but it's also got like the Laurel Canyon and the Topanga Canyon kind mm-hmm. of things with like the Neil Young and like that dreamy kind of folky rock kind of thing. So it's like, you know, Neil Young did it. You know, he drove out. There's, you know, Helpless and all those things are about him yeah. coming out here. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I mean, where did Tom Petty come from? Was he Florida? Florida, yeah, Gainesville. Yeah, him and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was on his way out here to play yeah. music, and he ended up getting cast on uh, Jump Street or whatever. But yeah, yeah it's so, funny. You know. I've got this theory that like the West Coast, it's like all the all the artistic people are kind of drawn towards the West, and they they tend to move west in a lot of ways. And like they reach the place where they can't go any farther, and they kind of pile up. Yeah, and then they exactly. kind of ferment, and that's yeah. where all this stuff comes from. You know, you can't go any farther. Yeah, well, I think too, it takes a special special. Um, character to to go like you know new york for example you know uh just the the urbanness of it and everybody kind of piled on top of everybody and you know out here it's you don't have to drive too far to find some space you know what i mean but you still got the big city and you got the entertainment business everything's here but you know even you know i first lived on mount washington when i when i moved to la and for me that was perfect because it didn't feel like i was in a big city at all right felt like the countryside of LA, you know, it was yeah. so mellow up there. So I couldn't imagine leaving Indiana and ending up in Manhattan or something. I yeah. would have, you know, lost my mind. I would have been moving home in two weeks, you know. So. Yeah, I looked up my old address on Ninth Avenue, like right in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not too, just a couple nights ago, just to kind of see, because, you know, Google Maps, you can go look up anything and like look at the street view and like there was my old door, right? <laughs> but, you know, there's a like, like an Italian place and then there's one door that then leads into the apartments upstairs. You know, there's, I don't know, 20 apartments up there, but it's one door. Like, there's no yeah. front porch. Right. You know, because I come from an area, like, you know, like you, like the Midwest, where... Yeah, we were you know, neighbors, man, in Indiana. We practically, Illinois. yeah, we had a yard. Mm-hmm. You know, we had lightning bugs and mosquitoes and thunderstorms and lawnmowers and right. combines and right. all these things. And it's... And I do love the city, you know, but I think I'm... Maybe it's a like a Gemini thing. Like, I like both. Right. And, I, and I think I need both. <laughs> yeah. You know, and on one of your videos, I noticed, you've got... Uh, there Was it was it in the Sierra Nevadas you shot that video? I yeah. I really don't know the name of that song. Where were we? We were... Uh, yeah, so that was for It Ain't Right. And uh, we were in the Sierras. Yeah, we were like... All I know is we hit Fresno, and then uh-huh. we dipped towards the mountains and right. just kept going. Uh, actually, what's that up there? Uh, Lake... Um, what's the lake up there? Shh. What's well, Sequoia? If you go straight... East, it's like Sequoia Kings Canyon from Fresno. Right, and if you go exactly. north, you're up into Yosemite. It was northeastish. It was somewhere yeah. up up in there. And um, yeah, I don't remember the name of the lake, but we had a buddy up there that had a cabin up there. It was like yeah. a timeshare thing. And yeah, it was that was gorgeous, gorgeous country. You know, and that's and I think that's something. And it, it it shows in your music too. Like this, I don't want to say rural because it's not poop kicking. <laughs> if you know what I mean. You know, it's not that kind of thing. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's fantastic too. And Dwight Yoakam did just fine with that thing and continues to here. And, and, and launched himself Con- out here. Yeah, which continues is to in LA. Yeah, yeah. But there's something for certain people like you, me, and other people and other musicians, like even Neil Young, like that's got that feel to it that needs that space, mm. that physical space and grass and loam and earth. And I really get that from your music a lot. Cool. You know, was that something that... Uh, so you chose LA because of that, so you could have that space. Yeah, you know, I mean, like you said, the weather, it's a no-brainer, but, you know, I do a lot of writing. I still do a lot of writing, like, you know, you have these periods 
throughout the year where you get really inspired and just all this stuff is, is coming out. And, yeah. and then there's other times of the year where you're just kind of living and experiencing and kind of, you know, collecting these experiences that you will eventually write about. And right. for me, like a real fertile time every year is, you know, I try to get back to Indiana at least for a little chunk of time in the summer yeah. and obviously around Christmas too, you know, if I can. And, but that summer visit, I always end up, you know, in my brother's garage, you know, with whatever guitar, whatever setup, you know, just, you know, having some drinks, hanging out and, and, and things just start, you know, spilling out of me. So, you know, I think that my sound still, even though I'm, I'm obviously based out of here, lived here for a long time, there's still a lot of Indiana, a lot of open space yeah. in my, in my heart and in my mind. And, and a lot of these real fertile times the last couple of years, I, I've been writing and writing stuff for this new EP, you know, a lot of that stuff actually was written in Indiana, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to hear a song from that EP in just a, a second, but I want to address one thing that you said there, or like touch on something you said. People who aren't from the Midwest, I don't think appreciate um, how green and lush the summer is and how much, how people wait for it. Oh, yeah. You know, people in California don't really understand, at least people oh, in Southern California. We take all this green for granted, don't I mean, we? <laughs> it's, it's, you know, our, our winters are, would be a, people would kill for a, a LA winter day in yeah. in Indiana or Chicago and Truth. the depth and the depth part of winter the depths of winter mm -hmm. um but there's that's that thing it's like that green lush everything's growing all the time it's green everywhere like california is more green year-round but can't hold a candle to how green the midwest is well and, and in, in the June, summer July, you know in, in la in the summer i mean la can be a horrible place to be because yeah. it's hot and it's not green at that point it's brown everything's yeah. kind of you know, and you're right. In Indiana, it's like when you get that first little bit of budding trees and, and green coming out of the ground, and next thing you know, it just takes over. And if, you know, if you don't trim your bushes or mow your lawn, your, your yard will turn into a forest in a, yeah. in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just yeah. goes you, off. You got to, yeah. you know, Ray Bradbury is a favorite author of mine, and he talks about like that constant battle of keeping nature back, like holding right, Mother right. Nature back because she's going to take over. Yeah. It's palpable yeah. there, whereas here it's everybody's lackadaisical about it doesn't matter yeah and nobody mows their own lawn here in la anyway right so i'm talking to john zoe west los angeles-based singer songwriter uh, also guitarist of note uh, he's played with some fairly famous people over the day someone named uh the cyruses both uh the dad and the daughter miley and billy ray correct correct and uh but you've got a couple albums of your own plus a brand new ep which just dropped in february of this year in 2015 let's hear a track from that this is the song this time tomorrow john zoe west on independence day
Thank you very much for listening to Independence Day. This week's guest, John Zoe West. You can learn about him at johnzoewest.com, also facebook.com slash johnzoewest. And he's pretty well fully branded across all of the interwebs with the John Zoe West. And you can follow him on Twitter as well. Um, so you're from Indiana. And there's something that I, I can't not talk about this because it's so much in the news right now with what some people are calling the RIFRA Act or the you know, yeah. Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Right. And it's been all over the news. I know for a fact there are great people in Indiana, but what the hell is going on, man? What's your opinion? You've got a vested interest in this. It's your yeah, home turf. Well, you know, if You've got uh, a the shirt folks on right that now. are listening, could, yeah, see, I'm actually wearing it, this this Indiana shirt today because I want people to, to to see, you know, some some normal human being that they can they can relate to that's, uh, you know, good people. That's not David Letterman right. or John Mellencamp. <laughs> right. right. So I don't know, man. Um, it's really hard to believe that, you know, there's in any state that there's people that think the way, you know, some of the folks that are making the rules around there think, you know, it's, it's mind blowing. Um, and what can I say? You know, I, I, when I think of Indiana, I, I think of, you know, my family and my friends and, you know, all, all these wonderful folks that, you know, that are, that, 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 you know, it takes all kinds. There's, it's, it, I, I don't know where these people are, the, the people that are making these, these types of, uh, 
you know, where all this is coming from. Yeah, Governor Pence and other folks. And the thing that I, I couldn't even name the governor before the, the current governor until this yeah. whole thing happened. So I hadn't, I don't even, you know, I don't even know who the guy is, but you know, and it's funny because it is tied to music because the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, you know, it made a lot of news and a lot of circles that the band Wilco yeah. decided they were going to cancel a show. And a lot of people, uh, you know, were very, had very strong opinions on either side of this. Yeah. You know, and even mu- musicians, friends of mine who love Wilco were like, oh man, they shouldn't be doing that. I, I've been back and forth with that. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about that actually, because I, you know, when I think about my buds back in Indiana, they're all huge Wilco fans. Everybody's, yeah. you know, Dynasty Wilco. And, uh, and you know... When that when that call was made, I thought my first my I you know I'll admit my first gut reaction was like you know it's not the Wilco fans that are right. putting this law into you know into place like it's almost like a punishment if you're a guy from Indiana you just want to see your favorite band and now right. you know but um, totally respect Wilco for you know taking a stand you know and um, creating the you know making it a bigger conversation and bringing attention to it and yeah whatever and then I thought well you know. It would be beautiful if there was a way to turn the show into some kind of a rally or some kind of right. you know, incentivize the fans to go out and get active to to, to fight this thing and to you know right. try to make some change there where it's needed and but you know um, yeah just wild what what a bold move yeah well that's the thing you know when I I thought a lot about this too and my gut reaction right away was you know okay sure it sucks for the fan the Wilco fans in Indiana Indianapolis wherever they're playing mm-hmm. but I really felt like. I mean, regardless of whether I like Wilco or don't like Wilco is irrelevant. My feelings about the band are irrelevant. I would feel the same way if this was Miley Cyrus doing this. Or if you even feel better if it was her, because she's got a much higher profile right. than Wilco does. Or mm. if it was any given artist, you know, pick anybody. Because I felt like, okay, sure, yes, in one respect, I suppose indirectly you're punishing the fans. But you are standing up for what you believe in. And are willing to take the criticism for that and to stand mm-hmm. up for what you believe in is no different than the people who are defending the Re- Religious Freedom Recre- you know, Recreation Act. <laughs> right. <laughs> Religious Freedom. <laughs> whatever it's called. Riffra. In yeah, any case. Riffraff. <laughs> exactly. The Riffraff Act. So it's, it's really fascinating how it's, it's really, you know, polarized so many people. You know, friends of mine who are, you know, like tacitly Wilco fans were very critical. I was like, oh, I'm never going to buy their records again. What is this? Oh, the wow. Beatles? Yeah. You're going to burn your iPod? Yeah. Now the, the the my buds that are like you know like really super duper like Wilco fans. I mean you know all of their posts were you know because people were talking about this on social media like yeah, crazy yeah. And, and everybody was really actually really supportive of their decision. Yeah. And I what can I say? I mean I, I respect the hell out of Wilco for you know for making that decision. And it's definitely got people talking. And you know I can speak for my my homies back in in, in Hoosier Land or you know they they support them. And yeah. Whatever choice they make. And I think so. whatever. It comes Comes, when it, what it comes down to is the fact, and this is what I put on, you know, it started fights with relatives of mine, actually, on <laughs> Facebook, which was, and friends, too. Uh, some of them were more pleasant than others, as those things tend to be, was that um, maybe, I, I, I parsed this very, very carefully when I typed it. I said that uh, maybe this will inspire Wilco fans to pay attention to what their legislators are doing. Right. Because that's where the rubber meets the road. These were duly elected people voted for voted in legally right. by the people of indiana that's and now that's the conversation is exactly that's that's what it's about now are you know people need to be engaged with this whether you like it or not whether you like what the decisions are or not if you don't like it pay attention and get out and do vote. something right. vote uh talk to people about it you know and let your opinion be known if this is what you don't want out of your duly elected 
officials, un- you can't really unelect them, practically speaking, but right. don't put persons like that in yeah, this position. Yeah, let's make this the last, you know, piece of work like that we have in office. Yeah, know? anyway, you know, and because I know, I know there are great people in Indiana. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know, it's so hard to imagine, you know, it's you know Indiana's just getting such a bad rap right now. And yeah. It's like I I think of you know obviously all the people I know are you know the accepting and and big yeah. hearts and you know it's like very forward thinking progressive people. I mean it's it's 2015 man. If you got a you know you have access to you know uh, the news and, and the internet and social media and it's like there's people aren't back there like you know yeah. moonshining and you know like right. sitting in a you know what i mean it isn't like it's not dirt floors it's and the 21st whatever, you know? century now. yeah yeah you know it's i don't know so yeah it's mind-blowing man it's um, interesting anyway i, I want to just make sure we talked about that because that's an interesting place where there's a nexus between what we do as musicians what we do as citizens yeah. And your home state, which is almost my home state too. Yeah. It's right next door. So it's all kind of tied in together there. So yeah. I figured you might have something to say about it. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I've been chewing on that one a lot lately, man. So now that we've talked about that, um, you know, we're going to play some tunes of yours. You're going to play some tunes for us here in just a little bit. But, you know, give me just a little bit about a, a little bit of background, like how you got, you know, we talked just about how you got from Indiana to here. Right. But like, did you grow up in a musical family? Were there other musicians in your family? Like, how did the music bug get into you? Yeah, you know, um, so my, my guru, let's see, my mom's dad, my grandfather, he was a barbershop singer. He, um, you know, like with the com- striped shirt and the bow tie the, and the yeah, little straw hat. Competitive, you know, um, they won the, uh, was it 1956? Oh, cool. Um, international barbershop, you know, uh, competition. I've got a Decca Records vinyl framed with him and his whole crew on the front and their suits. And so, yeah, he, you know, my mom grew up sitting on his lap at the piano, having barbershop rehearsal in the living room. And, um, my grandma Nita, um, she, you know, we grew up singing around her piano at Christmas time, singing carols, everybody harmonizing. And, um, you know, my, both my parents can sing everybody. It seems like everybody, you know, in the family can, can harmonize. I just kind of grew up around that, you know? And, um, you know, just, um, I, I was actually just talking to my dad about this the other day. Cause you know, some people would tell you, Oh, my parents had this massive record collection and I, you know, I was hip to, you know, all these bands and all this stuff, you know, it's not like my folks, had you know miles of vinyl but the stuff that they did play stuck with me and it had a lasting impression on me like in particular driving around with my dad uh listening to the righteous brothers a lot when i was yeah. a kid you know and that just the harmonies and the hooks and um you know just a, a lot of singing in the car you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. pretty musical family but you know nobody has pursued music or you know it's just kind of part of life you know so it's just always kind of so in the West family, you know, on like Sunday night, did somebody pull out a guitar and like play a song? You know, not again. It's like, it was just, you know, it, it was at the holidays for sure. It was grandma at the piano and everybody okay. gathered around yeah, that's, and, that's, and that's harmonizing I mean. yeah. for sure. You know, it wasn't like a regular thing and the whole family's always just breaking into song. It but wasn't it was the Von like, Traps. Like you didn't right. live in a musical. No, exactly. But it was around. Exactly. But when music was being made, it was made, you know, fairly well. And, you know, um, I think I have some aunts and uncles that think they can sing better than they can. <laughs> But uh, for the most part, everybody's trying to jump on a harmony. Out your, your relatives, I had to sing? do. I know there's going to be some of them listening to this, and they're going to get a chuckle, maybe offend a couple of them as well. But <laughs> what are you, you going to do? But yeah, so everybody sings. Everybody, you know, everybody can clap in time. You know what I mean? Okay. It's it's fairly musical family. It's something in our culture that I'm not sure 
is maybe you know in the southeast i think maybe it might be a little bit more prevalent um where you know because when i would go I, I grew up in the chicago area but i had relatives in northern northern alabama for the big armstrong reunion we'd go down in july every year hot as sin it's like a bowl of soup oh, with yeah. bugs and you know very lush very green you know thunderstorms every day at four o'clock mm-hmm. and but we'd go to the reunion in this steaming park with pine needles and but then someone you know invariably they would always bring out instruments like you'd get towards the end and somebody would bring out a martin and someone bring out a violin and next thing you know they're just picking and a grinning literally that's what they call it yeah yeah and i didn't get that out of my northern relatives like even though my mom sang in church choir and that was i was closer to that and there was more of that but it was like music seemed to be more formal in a way like you did it on stage Right. You didn't do it in the living room, whereas right. in, in in Alabama you just did it like at the gas station or sure. everywhere. It was yeah. it was different. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so it seems like it, but it was around. Like you guys in your family, you would sing. Yeah, definitely. And and you know, like I said, everybody seems to to kind of have a just a natural ear for harmony. That yeah. was the, that was the first thing that really I really fell in love with as a kid. The first thing I remember really noticing and craving was the harmonies you know yeah. and you know even just my parents in the car you know they did you know somebody would sing the one part somebody would sing the other and it just was always happening yeah. i just became obsessed with, with with harmony you know yeah and i that's that's just it you know the way i think it gets into your dna if it's around when you're a kid because kids you know whatever kid grows up with is what's normal to right them. right but at the same time you know not everybody can you know a hear it let alone do it you know so it's like one of these things i feel just lucky that for whatever yeah. reason i did dig it and i caught it and i was yeah i always think about that like how could like i mean we're talking five years old like yeah. i remember singing in the shower singing you know louie louie like like yeah, understanding yeah. what a hook was not knowing right. it was called a hook but being like there's this catchy thing right that i want to hear over and over again Add harmony, man. I was I was sold. I was into it, and I was little. I just can't believe yeah. that such a little brain could already be vibing and, and oh, getting yeah. that. You know, it's, well, just... it's all vibrations, literally, to use your word. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what it is. And it's once true. it's in there, especially if if you if you get bit by it, yeah, you know. So tell me this: Were you? you know, tell me about yourself in high school. Which kid were you? Were you already like way into music by the time you're in high school, playing in yeah. bands and writing songs? Like, when did you start music for you? Like, well, in a practical sense. So you know. So going back to like early childhood, like five, six, seven, I remember there being a piano in the house and somehow I figured out that you could, you know, you could record on a blank tape or whatever. Right. And I remember making a tape for my, and specifically for my dad, I had kind of copied some other albums artwork and I don't remember what I called it, but I had like two or three things that I figured out on piano that were like just simple melodies, but in my mind at the time, they Original were songs. songs? Yeah, or, like okay. they were songs. Like, I don't, you know, I would love to hear, I'd love to find that tape, but, and this was, I mean, this is when my parents were still together, so we're talking, I mean, literally must've been six or seven years old, right? Very little, made a tape, you know, it was already like recording in, in my own in my own sort of way. And um, so that, you know, I, I think about that and I, I'm like, wow, I must, I've been onto this for a minute. Um, then um, a really awesome thing happened when I was uh, like nine or 10. My dad remarried and I got a couple of uh, stepbrothers and um, I ended up sharing a room. Older? With older brothers. Yeah. And so I grew up, you know, at that time I had two older sisters, you know, which I, I love. They're amazing. It was great. But to suddenly at like nine, 10 years old have a, a big brother, you yeah. know, that was pretty cool. And, uh, and to share a room with your big brother who, you know, this guy, walks into the room first time I ever lay eyes on him. He's, you know, tattoo, long hair, like, you know, I'm initially scared. I'm like, look at this. Who is this guy? You know? And, uh, 
you know, we just hit it off uh, right away. How much older was he than you? Ten years older than okay, me. Okay, so he gets a good deal. Good deal older. And, uh, so and you were at this point how old? I was like ten years 10. old. Okay, so and he like, just oh, he's took like a, me under his wing. He's a man. He was yeah. Oh yeah. He he, <laughs> he's he was twenty years old. A fully formed music you're head, you metalhead. Oh yeah, man. He was. He was my hero instantly. And, um, you know, I was very passionate about basketball when I was little and I had, you know, close crop, like, you know, get my flat top done every two weeks, you know, and like still, you know, always loved music and, and that was just kind of part of life. But, you know, hoops was my thing. You know, maybe that's You're from Indiana, man. Yeah, I, I guess it's blood. cliche. All right. So, you know, hoops was my thing. And, um, and, uh, when I met my brother, you know, all of a sudden I got exposed to, you know, Hendrix and and Zeppelin and um, you know everything from. He was a guitar player. What's that? He was a guitar player. Yeah, yeah. He had a you know there was a guitar in our room, you know, and a little Marshall amp, and you know he just turned me on to everything. And he's also the one that nicknamed me Johnzo because I was playing drums. I actually started out as a drummer, and uh, you know, which is a play on on Bonzo. Bonzo which yeah, is, everyone knows John Bonham's nickname from Led Zeppelin. Exactly. You know, and I just and and that the nickname stuck. I mean, it followed me to school and followed me out here and. So, you know, been with me ever since. But um, so my brother literally named me. He totally, you know, I immediately started growing my hair, you know. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so I'm sharing a room with my brother, you know, and um, I'm playing music a ton and I'm getting exposed to all kinds of music. And, um, you know, I'm, so you're I'm, playing drums at this point. Yeah, I was a drummer. Yeah, I was playing drums. And, um, you know, I was I was I was writing songs on guitar, you know, for fun and giving them to the guys I had made a band with. And, you know, my the guitar player he'd sing my songs and play but i want i want to play drums and we didn't have anybody else that could play the drums so i was like right. i'll play the drums and i'll write the songs and you can play these songs and whatever so um but you know i started to realize realistically like okay i'm not gonna i'm probably not gonna be playing college basketball i'm kind of a little dude and i'm starting to realize yeah. like you know i'm putting a lot of time into basketball practice and right you know basketball camp and all this stuff and and the growth spurt's over. It's and the not growth, like yeah, it's I'm, I'm going, you know, when I, if I go to college, I don't think I'm going to be playing hoops for Bobby Knight. I think I'm probably going to be playing at the club down the street playing music. So I thought, right. you know, I'm going to take this seriously. And yeah. so I've kind of just started to focus on music 100%. And in high school, you know, we took our band very seriously. You know, we and played, were you involved uh, in like the proper high school bands? Were you playing no, in like jazz band no, or any of that know, kind of stuff? No, I did. Uh, I was a choir kid because, um, you know, I remember when they did the little band, you picked band or choir, like I think it was like sixth grade or middle school or something. And, you know, you had to make a choice. And I, Interesting. I thought, yeah, and I thought, you know, well, band would seem like the obvious choice, but I was already playing, I already had a drum set at home and they wanted to start me on some bells or something, you know, and, and then work up to a snare drum. I'm going, I got a whole kid at home and I'm covering yeah. Slayer songs and I don't want to learn these bells. So I thought band is not for me. I joined choir. You know, did a little acting, did some musicals and sang. And in high what, school... What roles were you in musicals? Um, or what musicals did you I do? I did... Uh, the one big one was this... It was like a take on um, Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. It was like some version of that. But, um, and I, I got the lead role. It was amazing. I sang and danced and did this whole thing. It was... It was pretty uh, mind blowing. So, but yeah, and then in high school, I I was in a cappella choir and competed, and you know, let, began to like lead sectionals and kind of you know like choir was awesome. You know, it's that power of singing with yeah. 150 people is one of the most awesome things in the world. And so that was my jam. Yeah, I, I was just music, music, music. I had my my little band in high school. We played as much as we could and massed all this gear and you know, put out a CD and, you know, just did, did what you do when you, you right. want to be in a band, you know? So 
Yeah, it's kind of. And then what happened for for college? Did you go to school? For so college? this was actually a really crucial sort of shift for me as a musician because, um, and I was moving into a dorm. I couldn't bring my drum set with me, but like I said, I've been writing songs since I was as long as I could remember, you know. And uh, it literally never occurred to me that like I could go out and sing and play guitar. Like I just had never ever considered it. I, I literally wanted to be a drum. I wanted to be John Bonham. I wanted to be Dave Grohley and I, I wanted to be a drummer, but I got to college. I couldn't bring my drums. I had no place to put them. And, um, I remember thinking, you know, I'm going to go to IU. I'm going to find a band to play drums for, you know, that was my whole goal. And I got down there and thought, man, I can't even fit my drums into this room. And yeah. And I started because even broken down and like stacked up. Yeah, I mean, small, there's just no that could take up a good portion yeah, of your dorm room. It just wasn't going to happen. No place to play them. No place to store them. And uh, and I don't know. It was a natural evolution. I decided, you know what? I'm just going to play guitar more and sing more. And I I just had this epiphany one day. I'm like, I should go out and sing my own songs. Like, and yeah. uh, so I just started playing coffee houses and yeah, doing yeah. that whole kind of thing, you know, solo acoustic and and then. Uh, one thing led to another. I met some guys and started to kind of front my first band and became a, you know, officially a, a lead singer, you know, yeah, yeah. and uh, still never really considered myself a real guitarist because I, it wasn't something that I practiced at or had been doing for a long time in a very focused way like I had. Did you teach yourself? Yeah, man, just kind of self-taught, just noodling around. And again, it all goes back to harmony. I, I would be like, all right you hit this note and you hit this other note and together those make this harmony and you add a couple more. Now you got, you know, this chord and later I would find out, Oh, that's a G you call that a G, you know, right, right. You call that a D. But yeah, I just kind of figured that stuff out and yeah. And then, in, you know, college just kind of ran with it, started front and bands. But like I said, I, I still was leery about, you know, there were so many great guitarists and there still are. I'm still weird about this. There's so many great guitarists and just guys that can shred and guys that can do all these things that, you know, I wish I could do it. I'm like, I can't call myself a yeah. guitar player. You know, this this guy over here is a guitar player. You know, I, yeah. I always just said, I'm a songwriter. You know, I play guitar, I sing, but songs are my thing. Yeah. But these days, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I can get around on a guitar a lot better than I could back then. But yeah. Well, let's. I want to hear more about the guitar playing and where it took you because it took you some pretty amazing places and it continues to do so. Um, but play a song for us if you would. If uh, what's what's in the first here? What song are you going to play for us first? Uh, the first one here is "It Ain't Right." Okay, um, and tell me just a little bit about it. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it was kind of the first song I think I wrote that kind of inspired the idea of making a new EP and getting out there and putting out another batch of tunes. And uh, I was the shot a video for it pretty early on, the one um, we mentioned the Sierra Sierras, and um, this was kind of the inspiration to kind of dig in and do another and do another batch of tunes. All right, man. So this is Johnzo West with the song "It Ain't Right" live on Independence Day. <laughs> She goes into the wind and coming back again. Oh, at least that's how it feels to me tonight. Oh, right, right. Oh, it ain't right. Lock the doors and close the shades. Heard the night away. Oh, I wish there was a 
price I could pay Christmas Someone to call it a ride And it takes aim to pierce the soul Tall to target, toe to toe We might need a miracle And if I see them ghost Feeling sad he wants to come for me We both know it is right Know it ain't right There she goes into the wind and coming back again. Oh, at least that's how it feels to me tonight. Oh, I, I ain't right. Oh, oh, oh it ain't right. It takes aim to pierce the soul And tall to target toe to toe We might need a miracle And if I see the ghost Feet inside he wants to come for me We both know it isn't right John Zoe West and Independence Day. Very, very nice, man. That's some good guitar work, like you said. Like, you know, it's, it's funny, I think, with guitarists or even musicians in general, it's, like, it's hard enough to do music without having that little self-doubt devil on your shoulder. Uh, yeah. some, someone, I, uh, Jonathan Brook, a singer-songwriter from uh, Boston, calls it the you suck demon. <laughs> it's like, he's, you know, he or she is always there. He's always hanging always out. Always in your ear. Yeah, you know? I know, man. And, but it, but it, can be, it can be debilitating. You know, but I yeah. think getting past that is half of of music is just saying screw it and doing it anyway. Yeah, and I think too. It's uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I couldn't not do what I'm doing if I tried. You know what I'm saying? If somebody said, "Hang it all up, just just yeah. give it," up, you know, I mean, maybe I'm crazy and delusional, but I just I couldn't not do it. So yeah. even if I inside I go, you know, I could have sang that or played that better. Or, you know, I wish I could do what that guy's doing or that girl's doing. You know. I still got to keep doing it. You just keep keep going. Yeah. I think that's on the top 10 list of rules for me. And I'm not big on rules, but when I think about it, it's like, just do what you do. 
Yeah. Focus on what you do. And when I mean that, I mean that talking to myself. Right. You know, for my sure. own like inner monologue. Like, don't get hung up on what other people are doing. Yep. There's always going to be somebody better than you. There's always going to be somebody playing faster or more notes or getting yeah, paid more or, or whatever. Better, but don't get know. hung up on that. Focus right. on what you're doing. Be the best you that you can be. I sound like a gym coach. This is or something, a great message but, you're putting out there. <laughs> but it's true though. I <laughs> really true. think there's value in that. It's 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 wisdom. And I I I you know it's hard for me to listen to it and I tell it to myself. So yeah. that's how it goes, man. So now tell me this, you know, when you're the guitar playing there, and that was an electric guitar, you're gonna have a mixture of acoustic and electric stuff here. Yeah. Um you don't use a pick. I noticed. No. Did and you see my a, sticker on my case over there with the... I did the, not. Uh, you, you know, like a no smoking sign where you see the right. cigarette and the red slash? I've right. got one on my case. It's a guitar pick with a red okay. slash across. Because I noticed this, and maybe this is maybe this is derivative of your coming from the drummer side of you, like the rhythmic aspect. I mean, you're not all the way to Ani DeFranco in terms of what right. you're doing, thumping on it and harmonics right. and crazy stuff like that. But the way you play isn't like a standard, even for a finger picker, it's yeah. not like standard Travis picking or like a Paul Simon type of finger pattern or James Taylor, these guys who are, you know, Leo Kotke who are really articulate right, right. at finger picking. Yours is more, uh, you know, self-taught and unique. You're doing a combination of like thumbs and strumming and picking and like you almost use your fingernail on your first finger as a pick, I noticed Yeah, there. that is my pick when I need to actually pick. That's that yeah. nail there. So when you did learn to play guitar, you know, from drums, you know, you knew who your drummer idols were. Mm -hmm. Who were the guitar players that made you that you that you kind of learned from even on your own? Yeah, see, that's the thing when I say that I for a long time was hesitant to even call myself a guitar player because like I don't, you know, I never had a lesson. I didn't grow up going, "Oh, I want to learn this lick or that lick or you know, or try to emulate anybody." I mean, I could tell you who you know, who got me off. And it's a lot of the same well, guys yeah, like today. Who's, who's playing but, did you like? I mean, you know, obviously it's so cliche, but obviously Hendrix was just yeah. a mind blower. I mean, because the guy just, you know, it's just this, there's so much soul in his playing and it's so ex experimental and that just blew my mind, you know, straight away. Um, obviously Jimmy Page was very um, inspiring, you know. Um, yeah. Both but, of those are very creative guitar players. Yeah. Guitar players who really, like Hendrix, when I think of Hendrix, um, he, he there's a lot of major key stuff in what Hendrix does, but then that sets up uh, like the bottom of the pyramid to then go what jazz players call out mm -hmm. and play atonal stuff on top of it. Right, right. You know, because there's he does all that whole thing. You know, I did the Hendrix thing was when you do the uh, A shape chord, but then you put the third and the fifth string. Like yeah. That's the big Hendrix thing. Right. Or just going to bend for a note and maybe you actually landed on the wrong note, but if right. you bend it enough, you're going to find yeah. somewhere. And, you know, just being a, like being open to hitting wrong notes right. and just bending the crap out of them and just, yeah. you know, who knows where you'll end up. Because uh, I think if you listen carefully to what you're doing, if you're a guitar player or a musician, like I definitely heard Hendrix right away. You know, not in the Stevie Ray Vaughan sense that you're playing the bluesy side of Hendrix, right. but like the almost melodic side of Hendrix. Yeah. So I, I mean, I heard it right away. Really? So it comes Interesting, through. man. Yeah, I mean, that was, I, you know, growing up, falling asleep, literally sharing a room with my brother, listening to, you know, waterfalls, like yeah. passing out, you know, that stuff's just, you know, insane. But it's interesting what you point out, and it's, it's cool that you did because it's really true is that, you know, you, you do at the end of the day gotta just do what you do and be yourself because I obviously the way I play is not traditional by any means you know right. it's not standard finger picking style it's not this or that it's it's literally the product of being a drummer and when I would pick up the guitar to write a song I wanted to feel a beat and I wanted right. to hear a little bass line and I wanted to fill in all the gaps I could never just sit down and strum a guitar to me that was just incredibly boring now there's a time and a place for everything and there's some great strumming tunes out there and i have a couple of my own that are straight strummers but 
you know, I needed to feel the the beat and the groove and the bass line and all these things, you know, and so I just used my right hand to try right. to make as much of that happen as I could. And very, especially early on, I mean, if you just saw a show, me playing a solo acoustic show, you know, freshman year of college, really just starting to transition from being, okay, I'm going to actually go out and sing songs and, and be a guitar player. You know, you'd hear a lot more of the percussive stuff. And, you know, right. I was just banging on those acoustics and clawing away and, you know, and I've dialed down a lot of that over yeah. the years and, you know, and different things call for different, you know, methods. But, you know, it, it, at the same time, you know, it's been a hindrance in the studio sometimes. Somebody says, here's a pick. We want an acoustic bed and we want that sound. And right. it's like, I, I mean, I can, obviously I can do that if right. I need to do that, but that's not my jam really. So we have to get out of your own way. Yeah. When exactly. that regards, if you're going to be a session guy, if you're, you're not there that. to do your own thing. So they either want you there for it to be a guitar player, or they want you there to be the guitar player that you are. Which is which, which is not necessarily the same thing. You're exactly right, and that is, and and I have had to basically, I've come to a point where I'm more than happy to play on other people's stuff and do that kind of work as long as I get to be me, you know? Because yeah. I'm not that. I'm not the guy you call that can do anybody's tour and anybody's tunes, and you know, I've got this massive array of effects and you know, I'm just that guy that you can plug into any situation. I don't, and you know, I don't, there's plenty of guys that can do that. It's not me, you know? Yeah. So the stuff that I've collabed on, fortunately I got to, got to do it the way I do it and in my, my own weird wacky way yeah. <laughs> I do it. So yeah. yeah. But when you're accompanying yourself, I mean, you do a lot of band shows, I guess, right? Yeah. But, I'm all band these days. I mean, for the most part, you know, so. but it's funny because you, when you play solo, you play as if you're accompanying yourself without a band. Like you said, you're incorporating That's the, the bass line, yeah. you're incorporating the drums, you're incorporating these different things. You know, if you, if you're a writer like I am or like other people are like, I hear those things in my head, even if they're not there. Oh yeah, totally. You know, like I'm playing from to the get go. I'm playing to an indivisible drummer. Oh yeah. You, you know, know exactly from, from how the, the drums are going to come in. It's and... funny. Yeah. Even from the moment that I write a song, like right away, like I'm hearing and I hear different options. Like it doesn't have to be locked into one thing, but as even if I'm producing someone else's music, like I hear all these things sure, yeah, straight in my away. head and it's just getting that from that, from the virtual reality world to the real world. That's the challenge I think. Yeah. And which totally. way are you going to go with it? Well, I think it makes it, it can be rough on the guys playing with you when you're like, all right, here's what I want. I already yeah. know what I like. Here's how you're yeah. going to come in and here, you know, do you ever have, um, do you ever have conflicts with drummers because you are yourself a drummer and can oh, boss man. them around? Man, you know what? I have had, oof, how do I say this? I, I, you know, being a drummer and, and, you know, I, I'm not saying by any means that I'm some spectacular drummer. I just know, you know, you kind of, I think having the experience of playing drums for so many years, you kind of know what you want. And, you know, it's, I think, um, it can be really hard to articulate like feel and like, you know, like. To, to talk to a guy about, all right, now, technically, yes, that's the beat, but it's got to be a little bit more behind or a little bit more, you know, a little more staccato, a little more on point. Yeah. Like, so those conversations can get can get tough, and I definitely usually know exactly what I want. So it's like, yeah. I think it can be frustrating to kind of be told what to do, you know? Yeah. But it's it has been an issue, yes. I'm not I mean, going to lie. I say this kind of <laughs> half-jokingly, but I learned to play, like, all the standard rock and roll instruments, at least in a rudimentary fashion. Right. Because... Um, that way, I, like I said, it's kind of half joking, but kind of half not, so that I could boss people around. <laughs> not because I wanted to boss them around. It's not about like getting you under my thumb and like yeah, yeah. controlling you. I don't care about that. It's more about like I have, this, what goes back to that point from before, I have this oral AU 
vision in my head of what right. I want this to sound like. And I'm trying to get that out. Exactly. And, 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 I, yeah. and I just tell people up front who play with me, it's like, look, I, when if we're doing my tunes on this stuff, like I'm going to be, sometimes I'm going to be a bastard about this. Right, right. And, you know, and I Executive can, decisions. And I can made. play your <laughs> instrument a little bit. So right, I, right, I'm right. not just, just telling you, do more of this or less yeah. of that. Like I can say specifically, I need you to hit the end of four with that specific symbol. And it right, sounds right, really right. annoying. Right. But it's like it's it's that vision, that producer's vision, you know. Yeah, your no, I, exactly. I, I'm not gonna lie, man. I'm, I've been very, very picky when it comes to the drum thing, drummer thing. So yeah, know. and I even tell them. I think the, the the little phrase I used to come up with, or I came up with at one point, was, "Look, on some songs, I'm gonna have an exact idea of what I want out of this. Sometimes I'm not gonna have any idea at all, and I'm just gonna say go for right, it. But I right. need you to work, please. If you're gonna work with me, I'm gonna tell you right away." You know, yeah. if you're going to be in this musical relationship with me, I need you to know right away. There are going to be times where I'm going to want something very specific. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, if that's a problem for you, you should probably just right. go play with someone else. <laughs> right. You know, and with all due respect. Anyway, so we're talking about musical bastardry. Yes. We're talking about songwriting. We're talking about unorthodox guitar playing with my guest, Jonzo West. Jonzo, another song. What are you going to play for us? Um, this next ditty uh, is a tune called By Your Side. Um, and it's the last song on the new EP. And um, yeah, hope you dig it. All right. So Johnzo West, once again, original music on Independence Day. Anything to be by your side. 
said I'd do anything to be To be by your side My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. Please drop by our website, indepday.com. Follow us on Twitter at indepday. We've got a YouTube channel, everybody. Uh, YouTube.com slash videos. We couldn't get a more uh, succinct link. It's the best thing we could do. That's the way the internet works. Uh, but there's a lot of videos on there, man. We've been doing videos for several years. We've got 130 plus episodes, and we're happy to have John Zoe as one of these. He's an Indiana songwriter, originally based in Los Angeles now. Uh, started out as a drummer, has been playing guitar now for a goodly long time. Pretty good writer, excellent guitar player, uh, good singer as well. Excellent work. You know, you you hit something that kind of touched on my pleasure thing with that song. It's triple meter. Oh, yeah. I love it when writers write in triple meter. It's like, I have a rule. This is a hard and fast rule. Every project I do, whether it's mine or someone else's, has to have one song in triple meter in it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's, that, it's that old school feel. You it's know? the waltz, man. It, wants, it just mixes things up a little bit. Yeah. And totally. allows you to push and pull in different ways. Yeah. So this unorthodox guitar playing is taking you to some pretty interesting places. Like, you know, eventually I want to get to, you know, you played with Miley Cyrus and did a bunch of shows with her, did a song with her, mm-hmm. um, a Dylan cover. But you was it his, her, her dad that you played with first? No, it was Miley. It was Miley actually. first. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so that... that yeah, tell one. me, I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, Walk me from how it is that you're out doing what you do to yeah. then, because I mean, she's what you would call a superstar, essentially. Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. get from doing <laughs> what you do to playing with like a marquee artist who's playing the Staples Center? Yeah, no, it's a really random story. And I think it's a good one to tell because it's a reminder that you really never know where you're going to end up and, and what, you know, where the path will lead you. Um, so that, this, this is, it, it's really a, a series of kind of wild and random events. I, um, a good friend of mine, a music supervisor, um, in 2010, asked me if uh, I could go out to Detroit to work on a film that that, that she was working on. And the, as the, an actor, as a musician, as, or? so the job was the the lead, um, the lead role, uh, the lead guy, the leading man in the film. You know, he he had to play some live music, and you know there were some live music shots. He was in the in the film. He has a band, and you know he he's uh, he's a teenager, you know, and he's got a band, and there's some live music stuff going on, and he was going to have to play guitar, and and so the, they asked me if I go out and and give him lessons. So that was the the gig was okay. go to Detroit, you know, for who knows how long, post up and teach this kid how to play guitar and look like he knows how to yeah. put a strap over his Enough head and to get by on yeah, camera. Yeah, so guys like you and me went watch this thing and go this is complete rubbish, you know, like what what this is so fake. So um so I go out there thinking I'm just going to kind of teach lessons and the the gig was really cool. It turned into actually almost three months in Detroit. You know, living in this hotel with the with the talent and of you know and and all the people making this film. And it was a magical summer. And Miley was um, you know the the lead female role okay. in the film. So um, it was Miley and Douglas Booth, who's now a great friend of mine. So it was Dougie and Miley, you know, shooting this film. And we spent the summer just hanging out in Detroit. And you know, a lot of days, long days on set. But also a lot of great just weekends, kind of exploring Michigan and just like, 
you know, it was kind of like a summer camp vibe, you know. We and just, it's close to home. For and it was close you, to home, yeah. It feels it's kind of my stomping grounds. Yeah, you know, well, it so. feels like home. It's not exactly home, but it feels right. close enough. I it love was being close. in the Midwest in the summertime, man. Yeah, it was a blast, you know. And like my, my buddy Douglas, who starred in that, you know, he's British. He was, you know, here from London. And so he's having this kind of Michigan summer that's like what I've kind of grown up with. And Miley's out there. And we're all just in this kind of, you know, it was unreal. Um, it was it was very surreal uh, summer. So anyhow, me and Miley became you know good buddies, and um, I'll never forget the first time she picked up my guitar um, in my hotel room and started playing a Merle Haggard song, and she started strumming and singing this thing. And I mean, to be completely honest with you, I had no idea who she was. I had never seen an episode of Hannah Montana in my life. You know, that was still going on at the time, and. I really. And this just, is maybe a little before she exploded. I mean, we knew her. Yeah, from no, Hannah this Montana, was. But. Yeah, this is like. So she would have been. I think she was sixteen that summer. Good I want to say. I mean, you know, I mean, she was young, and uh, yeah, yeah. she had just finished. I think just finished with Hannah Montana and was kind of in a in between time, and um, and um, we became buddies. And I, you know, like I said, she picked up my guitar one day and started singing Merle Haggard, and I heard this voice, you know, and I don't know, you know, I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't know her. I didn't know what her you know, regular voice was like, but this was like somebody straight out of the South singing with soul and sound like some Dolly or some Lucinda or something, something crazy. I couldn't believe my ears when I heard it. Right. And from that moment forth, I thought, God, I, people got to hear this girl sing, you know, like sing like this, you know, anyhow, we continued to be friends for, you know, through the years. And, um, in 2012, um, a friend of mine was working on this amnesty international Dylan tribute record. And, uh, I, you know, the, everybody was on that record. I mean, it was everybody from Maroon 5 to um, Chimes Adele. of Freedom. Right? Chimes of Freedom, yeah, that's right. I mean, there were 70 artists on the thing. And um, my friend approached me about Miley, you know, would she be into being on it? I said, Miley loves Dylan. I'm sure she'd be into it. You know, I'll, I'll throw it her way. And she said, you know, I'd love to do it. But if I do it, you know, you got to do it with me. And I said, well, hell yeah, I'll do it with okay. you. So, um, so I chose um, the song, You're Going to Make Me Lonesome When You Go. For one thing, a lot of the songs had already been spoken for. They're it's really amazing that song was still available. I know. Well, and so, you know, total confession, like I'm not the hugest, like most well-rounded Dylan fan either. Like, I, you know, I grew up, you know, a lot more sort of like dead and Zeppelin and like, I wasn't like into the folky songwriter thing, you know, at least not yet. I hadn't kind of, so that wasn't really my bag. I didn't really know what to do, but I knew I wanted the world to hear her sing the way I heard her sing that day in my hotel room and the way I'd heard her sing yeah, around okay. the campfire or whatever. And so I found something online, somebody doing that, you know, doing Lonesome, and it was kind of country vibe. It was kind of that arrangement. I thought this would be perfect. So we, we chose that one and um, went to the studio and cut it. And, uh, you know, it ended up being, you know, I think it's safe to say, it's probably the, the biggest song on that compilation. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, we ended up, we did Ellen, did the Ellen show, yeah. did uh, Jimmy Kimmel. You made the rounds. Yeah, we did a, a lot. The best part was we actually, we did a, the whole thing was let's do as much good as we can with this thing and we did a lot of really great charity stuff we did city of hope uh, muhammad ali fight celebrity fight night um trevor live um he says so all these great sort of events for for great causes and so that song you know it did a lot of it, it, it uh we worked that thing pretty good that year and high visibility now i watched a couple of videos of you doing it with her live yeah. uh, on you know the shows you mentioned ellen yeah, whatever yeah. And um, so was the the version that was on the record, was that also just a duo or did you have, was it fully 
we went full in, arrangement. Yeah, we went into uh, Henson Studios with John Shanks, who was like, you know, she'd worked with before and wanted to work with him on that. And, um, you know, we went in there with the idea, let's keep this as stripped down as possible. Okay. You know, let's keep it totally rootsy and whatever. And, you know, there, there's a couple little bells and whistles in the studio version, but it's still pretty stripped down. I mean, yeah. it's, it's that Martin guitar over there and her voice and my harmonies and not much more. So. Yeah, keeping it real, as they say. Yeah, yeah. And good. Now, did that change things for you? You know, because you know, having your name next to Miley Cyrus's name—not to say that you're not a great artist on your in your own right—but she's extremely high no, profile. Sure, yeah, extremely high profile. I mean, she's transcended country. She's transcended yeah. being a child star now. Yeah. Like she's her completely her own cottage. She's industry. got her own planet, man. So, how did yeah. it change things for you? Um, you know, it, it did. I think, um, I, I think most importantly, you know, I had some experiences that I would have never had otherwise that were really eye opening and informing and, um, you know, going out on the Ellen show, you know, when those doors opened and, you know, you look out at that studio audience, you can hear a pin drop and it's yeah. me and one of the most famous women on earth, you know, the pressure of that moment, you know, is an intense thing to experience and yeah after that you can do just about anything you know so yeah that, definitely that was pretty good um you know we just you know but it did change things you know i think it, it kind of helped me sort of um you know some people maybe that wouldn't have taken me seriously before maybe say well god i mean if he's worked with her he must be doing something right you know i don't know i guess it legitimizes yeah. you to some extent i don't know it is what it is um you know obviously you know, uh, the, the Twitter followers, that, that whole world kind of right, you right, know, right. blew up a little bit. And, you know, it's it was it was a good run. But like I said, at the end of the day, the best thing about it was, A, it was for a good cause. B, we were just friends having fun. It was no, There was no business plan. There right. was no, it was no agenda. It was just a great timing. It was the right project. We had a blast. And I met a ton of people through it. You know, it, it got a ball rolling for me, you know. I mean, so you mentioned Billy, you know, it was sh- shortly after me and her did kind of, kind of came to a full cycle of what we right, were going right. to do with that kind of came to an end and then billy yeah, was getting it's a ready song to, it's not a whole album yeah it's one so. song man i mean and we really got a lot of miles out of one song trust me but um you know when that ran its course billy was getting ready to go in the studio make a new record called me up i'd have never been on that thing you know that was kenny Aronoff on drums yeah, I mean, coming yeah. from indiana with the melon camp yeah, connection yeah, yeah. That was huge, man. You know, so those you, experiences. Did you do a lot of stuff on the record, or were you? I, you know, I, I did, man. I, I, I spent. It was like again. I always use the summer camp um, analogy, but that's what it's like. You know, as you know, you go into a studio for two months with this group of people, and you don't know any of them. And by the end, you're all brothers or sisters, and you, you've got this bond for the rest of your life, whether you right. see each other again or not. And um, I ended up being a pretty big utility guy on the thing in the right. sense that I'd do, you know, I'd sit there for hours and track acoustic beds, you know, one after the other and stack these tracks. And, right. you know, I, I didn't, um, I wasn't featured as much as like a lead guy, although I had a couple, I do have a couple moments on the record where I got to kind of do my thing and yeah. be showcased, but really like, you know, kind of a worker beat, you know, like really kind of one of the band guys and making sure that, you know, that the beds were tight. And Which that, is and fun because the pressure's off on those. Like, I feel like at least it is for me, like I love playing rhythm guitar. Yeah, see, that's funny because it's it was kind of the other way around for me because you know, like I gave you the example when it's like here we need you know four tracks where you're picking you know you're strumming right, with right. a pick and man they had to be just perfect I mean these were these guys right. wanted this thing per- so it's like you're sitting there just trying not to screw up trying hoping to God your pinky doesn't buzz wrong off a of fret and you got to right. start them over this is time and money and there's you it's know, a good learning experience people for you, though, man. Oh, it's huge, man. Expand your horizons. Yeah, it really, I, it really, you know, I learned a lot about uh, what really making a record was 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 like. So yeah. that was good, and 
you know so yeah i mean just in that's how things get cooking. You start working on something, you meet another person, you get invited to do another thing. And the more you do, the more sort of legit and, and, and you know, um, I guess the more people kind of take right. it seriously, I guess. So. Yeah, and that's the battle with musicians is getting to that point. And my favorite thing, going back to wrap this all up, and then I want you to play one more tune. We're almost out of time here. So uh, this whole description that you've just given me for the past five or so minutes about this playing with Miley Cyrus, Miley Cyrus, yeah. you were playing with, and Bananas. then her dad, <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus. You're, you've got a very Middle Western attitude about it, which I like, which I respect and I understand. You know, it's like, it's not like, la-di-da, I'm playing with Miley, you know, Miley right, Cyrus. Right. You're making music with a musician who is your friend. Yeah. And you're going to do Straight good with up. it. And you're not going to let it go to your head, and you're going to keep doing good music, and you're going to capitalize on that aspect of it. Well, and a good lesson learned too is everything runs its course. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, you're flying high there for a minute, and you know, yeah. and then things, you know, it just and then you're back in your apartment in LA with your dogs. Exactly. You know, and every, I think speaking <laughs> of the Midwest, I think a lot of people's perception, you know, what it looks like, you know, right. life is like, and the reality, the reality, and what people think is going on, you know, yeah. in, in this world as we know are just two different things. It's so. just like sports. You know, too people people see people on TV and think they're all millionaires. And that's, uh, yeah. That is not uh, the case. It's, it's the top. It's the top percentage of a percentage that's making eighty percent of the money. Yeah, and then there's the rest of us worker bees to use your right. term again yeah. out there working. And even with the a big, capital W, and even the music. big artists that have a ton of success and have made a bunch of money, you got to keep. Right. making stuff because you're going to run out of money. <laughs> Your overhead goes up when <laughs> right. you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so. how about one more tune for us, John? So what's yeah. this last one going to be? Um, the last one is uh, uh, an older song called The Shallows um, that I'm going to play on acoustic, kind of go back to the old uh, percussive acoustic roots. So. All right, cool, yeah. man. All right, once again, one last tune with John Zo West on Independence Day. It's an oldie but a goodie. This one is called The Shallows. <laughs> to lose my mind The more I get to know you I know you think it's just a matter of time But it's too late You love it sharp like a heart attack Please don't kill me I try to fly but you hold back I try to pick a vine but you won't find back Long, long time ago In the shallows Used to breathe so effortlessly We used to live together on a one-way street You know what the can need to draw the line Life's too short to waste time crying I blame myself because I saw the sign but it was too late Your love is sharp like a heart attack Please don't kill me I try to fly but you hold back I try to pick a vine but you won't fight back Long, long time ago In the shallows Used to breathe so effortlessly We used to live together on a one-way street 
Why didn't I know better? Honestly, yeah. Why didn't I know better? Honestly, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Why didn't I know better? Honestly, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Honestly, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Love is sharp like a heart attack Please don't kill me I try to fly but you hold me back I try to pick a fight but you won't fight back Long, long time ago In the shallows We used to breathe so effortlessly We used to live together on a one-way street Why didn't I know better? Honestly, yeah. Why didn't I know better? Honestly, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Why didn't I know better? Honestly. Very, very nice, Johnzo. That's good stuff, man. Thank you, brother. All of them are good. I like the way you play. It's fun watching you play. Like <laughs> I said, you know, for someone who does, who plays with a band a lot, you do a lot of stuff with your right hand. That's it's like I said. It's not all the way to Andy DeFranco over the top with what right. you're doing, but you're you know you're 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 adding more to it. And it's nice of you to say. It's absolutely terrifying, and I'm completely exposed in this setting. And it's just a really it's a, it is a challenge. But you know, it's good. It's good it's exercise. Good so. it's good. That's the one thing I think people in the Midwest. I should have pre- I should have pre- prepared a little more for the, the whole solo thing today. But no, it's it's good fun. So. If there's a liability to the Midwestern ethos, it's that they're kind of change averse. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like new things. New things frighten and confuse yeah, me. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a, a, a cre- what do they call it? A creature, creature, creature comf- of habit, creature of habit. Yeah, creature yeah. comforts, <laughs> kind of guy. Yeah, well, it sounds yeah. great, man. And you've got uh, so you've got two full-length uh, records. One's called Glory, came out in 2013. Uh, Bring the burden, which was mostly acoustic, kind of stripped down stuff. That was in 2008. These are available on your website. Yeah, I mean, everything, you know. JohnsoWest.com. Yeah, JohnsoWest.com. Everything's on SoundCloud and Bandcamp and iTunes and wherever, whatever, however you like to find music, you'll yeah. probably be able to find mine. Yeah, and the new EP, The Cause and the Cure, is, I looked this up, five songs? Five songs. Five yeah. songs? Okay. And that just came out in February 2015, so people can find you everywhere they need to find you. So get out and buy this guy's music, man. That's the thing I keep, I tell people all the time. If you want to support music, if you listen to music, buy it. You know, we like to think that music is free. There's a whole generation of people that grow up not paying for this stuff, but musicians need to eat too. Yeah. And, and you know, I know we're skinny. <laughs> Some <laughs> of us are. But, uh, man, we got to eat. Get out there, support. And if you care about it, pay for it, whatever it is. You wouldn't go into 7 Eleven and take a Snickers bar. No, can't do that. You know? Can't do that. You know, it doesn't, and whatever that means. And the best thing I always tell people is if you go see an artist, if you want their music, buy it at a show because then the artist gets a bigger share of that. That, yeah, that that, that and I revenue. think if you if you actually really do enjoy what you hear, please spread the word. You know, yeah. I, there's nothing better than word of mouth. You know, you could buy a hundred billboards in Los Angeles, nobody's gonna go check your song. I swear yeah. to God. But if if the person you trust right. that has good ears, you got good taste, says check this dude out, you know you're gonna go home and check him out. So yeah. spread the word. If you dig it, spread the word. Especially in a media environment, we were we excuse me where we are inundated. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here. Everywhere, the gas station, at the grocery store, there's media on our phones all the time oh, yeah. shouting at us. So if you like it, you know, make it, make it, make it count. Yeah, you know, right Make on, it hit the mark. So you've got uh, shows coming up just later this month. You're at the Bootleg here in Los Angeles on the 27th of April, a couple weeks from now. 
Uh, you've got a party up in Utah. How'd you get a private party in Utah? Uh, it's actually it's a it's a it's a wedding. It's okay. A, yeah, yeah. A, a good friend and 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 a, um, a a huge fan of our music. You know, um, invited us to go play his wedding, okay. which is just a huge honor. So. That makes sense. Yeah, yep. a good thing. Keep it in the family. Also, you're playing back in Indianapolis, your home state, in July, and you'll be in Michigan City, Indiana, also in July, just right yeah. after the Fourth of July, and then uh, good things after that, right? More we gigs. got uh, what else? We got we have oh, Grand right, Ole right. Echo. Grand Ole Echo in June the twenty first. That's right. That's a great thing. Free thing they put on every Sunday night. Uh, starts in the neighborhood of it started earlier now, like three o'clock, I, I think. think. Yeah. And it's usually about four, three or five bands. Some of them are inside, some of them are outside, and it's completely free. And the whole thing wraps up by eight o'clock, so you can be home perfect. in time to get into bed and get and back to work. They got that barbecue going up. Barbecue. It's a great scene there. Great, great artist yeah. there. I know the people who curate that thing, and they do a great job. So, Johnzo, man, thank you so much for coming out and taking time out of your busy schedule. and uh, My pleasure. Telling us all about what you do, and everybody check him out. JohnzoWest.com is the place to find him. So thanks, man. Thank you, bud. I really appreciate it, man. All right, so thanks to Johnzo West, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The stupendous Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.